Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. This is the GM Shuffle. I just think to me this is a hard game for the Colts. I think this is their season. I think this is the custard last name game for the Colts. I really do. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. You can tweet at us at MLombardiNFL, is where you can find Michael. At Femi Abebefe is where you can find me, our producer, Stephen Bond, with us as always on the ones and twos. Michael, happy week five. We're in October, Man, baby. It's flying. It's flying too fast. I just, you know, it's like when I watch my grandkids grow up, like slow down a little bit. That means I'm getting older too fast, you know, self-indulgent there. But it also means that it's going by too fast. Like I, I can't do without it, you know. And so five weeks already, my Lord. You know, we have baseball. You a baseball fan, Femi? Uh, my, my Seattle Mariners made the playoffs for the first time since 01. So uh, we yeah. ended that playoff drought. So we'll see what I, happens. I like I like fall baseball. I kind of do. Yeah. I, I, I kind of do. It kind of gets it going. But, you know, have you been watching this Dahmer documentary on Netflix? Have you watched that at all? I haven't seen I've heard people talk about it, though. Is it good? I, I, I can't get into it. I can't get it mm. going. I, 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 get, I think I get a little squeamish with that stuff. You know, like yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not good there. But, I mean, I know – but, you know, really what – but the reason I bring it up is there's only, like, three days you can actually watch TV or read a book. Like, yes. you know, Monday we're watching a game. You know, Friday you got college games, Saturday you got college games, Sunday you got pro games, Monday, you know, so really Tuesday and Wednesday are what are we watching, what are we reading? You know, that's the hard part. I, I mean, it's hard, and I, I don't know if I want to devote my life to some guy like that. I, I don't know. It just seems <laughs> seems a little bit, you know, hard. It, 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 it's hard, but it's a good problem to have, to have all these sports going on all throughout the week, and now the baseball playoffs will, will help us out on Tuesdays and Wednesday nights as we have the NFL starting this Thursday. We'll get into Colts Broncos in the next segment, Michael Wanted to start off with the Steelers visiting the Buffalo Bills because this is a fascinating game just from where these two teams sit. Now, Pittsburgh obviously is coming off of the loss against the New York Jets. The Bills are seen as the best team in the league. But the Steelers, Michael, are massive underdogs. Get this. For the first time ever since the 1970 merger, the Steelers are a 14-point underdog. They're the only team that has not been 14-point dogs since that 1970 merger. The largest underdog they've been since the merger was Super Bowl 30 against Dallas when they were 13.5-point dogs. Ended up covering, but they lost the game 27-17. to But what do you make of that? The Steel Curtain of proud franchise now catching two touchdowns in a football game. Well, well, I mean, look, you know, think about it. You got a rookie quarterback going into Buffalo, not an easy place to play. And I think more than anything, a rookie quarterback who's going to go against two really well-seasoned defensive coaches in Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott. Again, this comes back to the coordinator matchup, right? Like, this is a hard team to play with experienced offensive coordinators. And I think that when you look at Matt Canada's kind of high schoolish, I don't want to call it high school, so that's not fair, kind of what he does offensively. I don't know how many more times he can run the tight end under. I really don't. I don't know how many more times he can do it, but he keeps doing it. God bless him. But the reality of it is, is I think that's a hard step up for a young quarterback, and they're not talented, and they can't get stops on defense when they need it. You know, they got, they're up 20 to 10 against the Jets in the fourth quarter. They got to win that game at home. 
mean, that's so unlike Pittsburgh, right? They don't make mm-hmm. a play on a fourth and seven. They don't stop them in the red zone. I mean, all of a sudden, the Jets, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, they're coming back. I, I think that's this line's reflective. My number on this game, Femi, is 10.25. You know, and I, I just think when you look at Pittsburgh's numbers, yards per play, 4.8, compared to Buffalo at 6-0. You know, points per play, there is, they're, a, they're a tenth of a point higher, right? They, they run the ball more in, in Pittsburgh. Their completion percentage is significantly lower. Their red zone is. And then defensively, you know, they give up 5.1 yards per play, and Buffalo only gives up 4-2. Like, it, this is why I think the line is. Now, I think this. I do think this. I don't think teams pay attention, but when you're this kind of a dog, it kind of becomes a motivation. Mm. I, and I think that's a really good point because Mike Tomlin, as a road underdog in his career, 32-23-2 against the spread. That's 58% for the folks counting at home. That's pretty profitable from a betting standpoint. Also, Tomlin, after a loss, 47-38-1. Now, they lost after a loss this past week, but 55.3% against well, the spread. Let me, let me ask you this. Are you, taking, are you taking Pittsburgh? Say it comes out in the contest today at 14. You taking them? Oh, I don't want anything to do with this game. Of course you don't. You don't. You don't want to turn the card in. I mean, this is where I think this is where that this is the difference between fans and professional betters, right? Mm-hmm. A professional better doesn't even care about the uniforms. He just looks at the numbers, his algorithms, or he or she, and says, "I'm it. I'm in." You know, like the the guy in London, the new. There's a guy in London. I don't know his name, but I've I've heard it's through folklore. You know, when you're in these books like I am all the time, you hear about these guys <laughs> that are these. Uh, these incredible handicappers. I mean, we all know of Billy Walters, right? Mm-hmm. And Billy Walters was could move a line in a second. But there's a guy in London that is the new Billy Walters. And I was told this past he's better than Billy by somebody who's a professional handicapper. Wow. And so and so you know he you know he's going to just bet whatever his algorithm says and not care about it because he has faith in his numbers. I haven't gotten to that point yet. I, I, I haven't got like I don't I would never even though my number says this should be a ten point game, I, I can't quite do it. The logic in my brain doesn't work. Would you? Because I, I looked at this line earlier and I was like, yeah, if you give me fourteen in the hook, I, maybe I'd bet Pittsburgh and just not watch the game and hopefully after the final score, maybe Buffalo wins by ten or so because it's such a tough spot. And for Kenny Pickett coming in making his first start against the best team in the league on the road. If you were running the Steelers and you could advise Mike Tomlin, would this have been the spot that you would have picked to start Kenny Pickett in his first ever uh, debut here? Without a doubt. I mean, like, look, we're going to go up there. I, I got to get the kid ready. I, we can't schedule, you know, Alfred on the, uh, for this game. You know, like, we can't go and play Hobart, you know? Like, we got to play who we play. And, we're, and, mm-hmm. and to me, like, make the game the hardest it could be. Cause we're not we're not sticking our toe in the water like we're not like we're not just going to put our t- we got to jump in, so we might as well make it hard. We might as well make him understand what it's like, because he's moving from pit to uh, a scheme that's really complicated, and I think you can manage the game better. Look, I think the reality of it is is why is the Giants playing so well even though Daniel Jones is not playing well? Is they get some completions right? They get completed passes. When when you see when you see what's going on, I mean, when you look at the league and you see the incompleted passes some of these teams have, it's hard to manage the quarterback, right? So I, I think a lot of that has to do with it. At least he feels like if you're Mike Tomlin, I can get 
some completed passes out of Pickett that I wasn't going to be able to get out of out of uh, Trubisky, right? So I think and I'm, I'm looking for the numbers here because it, it's so important. I don't think we look at that. I, I talk about rushes and completions all the time, but when you have when your incompletion rate is so damn high, right? Like the Jets, the Jets are the worst team in football in the incompletion rate, right? <laughs> so are Washington at 16.3. Arizona, it's an untold secret that Kyler's not playing well. He's at 15.3. Now, you know, like Chicago's the number two team in incompletions mm-hmm. because they don't throw the ball. They don't ever throw it. They don't want to throw it. You know, so they're, they're low in that category. So they're trying to run it. They're trying to manage the quarterback. So they're not throwing it a lot so that they can manage the quarterback. Well, when, and so for me, with Tomlin, he feels like I can manage it better with this guy. Because right now, right now, I was, I was 23rd in the league in completed passes. I was only getting 19.8. Follow me? Does yeah. this make sense? No, it makes a lot of sense. It's with what Trubisky was doing out there, and we knew a change was coming. We just didn't know when with Pickett being a first-round pick there. Also of note for the Steelers, Minka Fitzpatrick didn't practice on Wednesday. We'll see if he ends up playing in this game, dealing with a knee issue. Right now he's listed as questionable. This defense is already down. TJ Watt, the reigning defensive player of the year. Imagine if they don't have Minka Fitzpatrick in this game. It might be Bill's fireworks all up and down Western New York uh, this coming Sunday here. But uh, ultimately, what's your score prediction? That's what I want to know because I think we all believe the Bills are going to win this game unless you want to go out on a limb and, and say Pickett gets his first win and his first start there. But uh, do you have a score prediction for us in the uh, Steelers-Bills? You know, I, I think to me, you always to me in these games with these big spreads, you a- have to ask yourself this question, right? So I'm looking for the, the, the total here. The total's 47, right? Yep. So... What you're saying is, and the total is ticked down. It's now down to some shops. It's set, let's call the total 46, right? So that game means that Buffalo scores 31 and Pittsburgh scores 17. You go over. Do you think Pittsburgh could score 17? Or do you think oh, that man. Buffalo can score 31? You got to play the game out in your head, right? So yeah. 31 17 is a push, right? So, like last week, the, 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 Packer, the Packer game. And the Patriot game was a 40 total. And it was only, and the spread was nine and a half. Like that, those numbers didn't compute really when you played the mm-hmm. game out, right? It didn't compute. Like the under was too low for the total, the total was too low for the line. Like, and that's where I am with this one. I think this line's too high for the total. I mean, it isn't like Pittsburgh's not going to move the ball a little bit. I mean, Buffalo's not the 49ers defensively, they're good. But they're going to move. They're going to move the ball eventually, especially considering some of the injuries that Buffalo has. And we've seen Buffalo sometimes play with their food a little bit when they play some of these inferior opponents. And especially if you're the Bills, now we see this more in college. But professionals uh, fall victim to it as well. Just looking ahead to next week. That little revenge spot with Arrowhead Stadium and the Kansas City Chiefs coming up next Sunday. Maybe, just maybe, Buffalo comes into this one sleepwalking and it ends up being a pretty close game. So. You don't think so? Either? I don't think so. <laughs> no, I think that Baltimore, I think I think Buffalo has... That woke them up a little bit? One thing I've noticed with Buffalo, Buffalo is is playing for standards. They're not playing for... They're not playing for anything other than themselves. And, and the Miami loss, I think, still stings mm-hmm. with them. It should, because they should have won that game. But but next week, 13 seconds is what we're going to be talking about uh, with the trip to Arrowhead on deck. Michael, let's take our first break on the other side. Thursday Night Football, Broncos, Colts. We're going to talk about it here next on the GM Shuffle. 
The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Michael, Thursday night football this evening takes us to the Rocky Mountains. Indianapolis Colts taking on the Denver Broncos right now over at our show sponsor DraftKings. Broncos, three-and-a-half-point favorites, but it looks like it's getting ready to come off of three-and-a-half, maybe settles at three. Total 42, not many points expected in this game. Uh, what do you make of this matchup here between two pretty desperate teams needing a win here on a short week? Uh, I mean, look, you know, I've said this last week. Indy's power rank for me has been so damn low. I mean, they're going to shuffle their offensive line. The left tackle position has been a, an Achilles heel for them. Matt Pryor, who they traded for with Philadelphia, hasn't come through, and, and they're really hurting. It. They're hurting, and the, the one area we felt that was a strength, I did at least, was their O-line, and that's been a weakness. And their defense hasn't been able to play at that high level either. So for me, I, I just think it, this, this is a hard game to go on the road on a short week. Russell should – I mean, look, Russell should be able – to play really well here tonight. Why? Gus Bradley was in, was in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And what Indianapolis is running is a version of the Pete Carroll defense. Okay? Russell practiced against this every OTA day. Every time he – I mean, it should not be a problem. They played a little bit of it against in the opening game, but this should be a scheme where they have an advantage. They should be able to know it, get them on grass, make them play. They're not a physical defense. They play fast. I think, to me, this is Denver's time to see what Wilson has. Can he make those plays that he can? And they're rushed. Now, Gregory being out, Femi, is a huge thing. Yeah. It's, to me, that's huge. Because, he, to me, he, cha he, fl he makes a difference in the game. Last week against the Raiders, he had one hit on the quarterback and one solo tackle. Chubb only had two assisted tackles. They did a great job of blocking those two guys last week. That's what's going to take for Indianapolis. And their quarterback can't run for first downs like, like Derek Carr did last week. So I just think, to me, this is a hard game for the Colts. I think this is their season. I think mm -hmm. this is the custard last game game for the Colts. I really do. Injuries are the big story with this game. I mean, even with Russell Wilson, he popped up on the injury report with a shoulder thing that he dinged up against the Raiders. Now he was limited in practice all throughout the week, fully expected to play, but we'll see if maybe he's a little compromised out there on the field tonight. But on the Indianapolis side, Michael... No Jonathan Taylor, no Shaquille Leonard. Those are arguably their two best players. Maybe you can throw Quentin Nelson into that conversation as well, but Taylor and Leonard, that's what makes this Colts team go. 
how do they generate any sort of offense without Jonathan Taylor? Then also defensively, feels like they're right back to square one where they started the regular season. Well, oh, they weren't generating offense with Jonathan Taylor, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they weren't generating offense with them. They couldn't get him going. They couldn't get it because their offensive line couldn't get going. I mean, they couldn't really get anything going. They're averaging five five yards per play total. They're they're averaging zero point two one one in points per play. Ugh. I mean, that's as bad as it gets, right? I mean, you're not. That's horrible. And then defensively, you know, they're only averaging. They only give up four point eight yards per play. Denver gets a four nine. But they're giving up 0.34 points per play, which is significantly higher than what Denver does. I mean, like that's that's the misnomer. Well, without Taylor, how are they going to move the ball? They haven't been able to move the ball with Taylor. <laughs> like, what difference does it make? Like, you know, it's like they they can't block anybody until they start blocking anybody. It doesn't matter who they put back there. They could put Clark Kent back there. It ain't going to matter. Like that to me is the issue of the game. And Denver, I think DJ Jones is playing great for Denver. I think mm-hmm. Denver's front's hard to block. They got to be able to run the ball. The Raiders were able to, because of Jacobs, run the football out of two back and one back. I think that's how Indy's got to play this game. They got to slow it down. But look, anytime, if you're betting this game, you got you can't measure the last stand. Because if Indy loses this game, their season's over. The the uh, Frank Wright's going to be underneath the fire. All that's going to happen. It's going to be hard to bounce back. And can Ryan make enough plays in this game? I don't know. I think it's hard. Are Chris Ballard, the the general manager, and Frank Reich, are they in danger of losing their job in season? I don't think so. I mean, I think this owner, I mean, I know he's eccentric and he's got a hell of a music collection. He does. Uh, but I, I I don't know what that has to do with the price of tea in China. But uh, <laughs> I, I think to me, uh, I, I think to me you got to, if I were there, you got to look over the whole landscape. And I think there's two teams that have struggled, that have good teams that have struggled partly because of their quarterback. Carolina has has got a good team. They just don't have a quarterback that can execute. And they're in games, but they can't win games because they can't make play from the quarterback. And I think the Colts, since they've lost luck, have been down that road. And so I think the question you have to ask yourself as an owner, do I want to keep going down that road with this coach, or do I feel like, I just need to f- find the answer at quarterback, and this coach can help solve the problem. I think that's really the thing. I think that's where it's got to go to. Because, you know, when you look at Carolina, they're a better team today than they were when Matt got there three years ago. Now, I know I'm not shilling for Matt. I'm just making an obvious statement. Their line's better. Their defense is really good. They, just, they haven't been able to fix the quarterback, and that falls on the organization. It's hard in the NFL to fix that quarterback position. I mean, we went when I was in Cleveland with Belichick, that was if you said what was the what was the what was the problem that caused you the most con- why you didn't sustain in Cleveland, it was because we A misevaluated Cozart when Bill came in and B with which kept us from looking at quarterbacks down the road. It's the same thing, the same problem, same problem Kyle Shanahan did when he went to San Francisco. I'm going to get Kirk Cousins, so I'm not going to evaluate any of these quarterbacks. I'll yeah. take Solomon Ta- Solomon Taylor uh, or whatever is Solomon, so- Thomas. Solomon, Solomon Thomas, mm-hmm. and I won't even look at Patrick Mahomes or anybody else. Right? We yeah. all that's the that is the mistake. And if you want to put a death certificate on most franchises, that's it right there. I mean, and I've made them, so I can speak from authority on them. We didn't even spend time on. Favre or Browning Nagel. We had Kozar, so why would we do that? Now, Nagel was a disaster, but we didn't spend enough time on Favre. We draft Ed King from Auburn in the second round. It was a, you know, I was, it was bad pick, clearly. And, you know, but we could have drafted Favre 
Had we draft far, the, the cha- we change, but we weren't in a mindset. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. This is the problem. And Chris Ballard has gone on the record saying, hey, we would love a quarterback, but it just hasn't broken our way because we've been picking late in the draft or we haven't found any of those late round guys. And Ballard has gotten a lot of praise for his drafting and Shaquille Leonard, a second round pick and, and making those sort of selections. Frank Reich has gotten some praise as well, especially as the Carson Wentz whisperer in Philadelphia when he was the OC over there. Didn't quite work out last year, but these guys are squarely on the hot seat based on what Indianapolis yeah. was supposed to do this season. We all believed, I believed as well, and they've been the most disappointing team in the NFL. And they can't, they haven't been able to do what the, they haven't been able to manage the problem because their offensive line, an area where they felt like was a strength, has let them down. Yeah, and and that's been really the hard part. You know, like in Carolina, they haven't been able to manage around Mayfield because even though they've tried to get him some, he they haven't really been. Even the McCaffrey's a good player. You know, they haven't been able to they 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 turn the ball over. They make mistakes. You know, it's just to me, it's it's that I've seen it happen to so many good coaches in the league. That this problem, you don't solve it. When when you walk in the building, again, remember, I, I, I believe this more than anything in the world. The, what is the job? And essentially, the job is we got to fix the quarterback position. The reason I'm here is because we got to fix the quarterback position. It's the only reason. Now, Doug Peterson didn't have that. He walks into, he walks into Jacksonville, he's got one. You know, mm-hmm. LaFleur didn't have to do that in Green Bay. Right there's sometimes there's houses in Beverly Hills that you can move into, but th- that ain't very often. The reason you got the job is because there's no quarterback. It starts and stops with the quarterback position. And Michael on the other side, we'll talk about the top five quarterbacks through four games so far this season in the NFL. All right, Michael, we're through four games this NFL season, and we thought that. This would be a good time to take a little inventory. Let's go ahead and take some yeah. inventory on where the quarterbacks sit because over the summer we did the blue chip, red chip series. We had our top 10 quarterbacks, and there's some change. There's a little bit of shakeup through the first month here this season. And you talked about how maybe some of those red chip guys have fallen off here. The blue chips, we have a little bit of shakeup. Let's first start with the guys that you feel like have been playing at a top five level here through four games. Who are those players here in the NFL? Well, I mean, look, I think Mahomes is playing really well. I don't think there's nobody can deny that, right? I think that Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson have played extremely well. Both of those guys, Lamar wasn't on my, you know, Lamar was on my blue chip list. I I think to me, even though they both didn't play well in the rain last week, I still think he's playing at a really high level. So I have those two. And then I think Justin Herbert, even though he missed the, you know, he was injured in that one game. I think he's playing at a really high level. So those four, to me, I don't think Rodgers or Brady are playing at the same level they played at last year for whatever reason, whether it's off the field, on the field, receivers, athleticism, all that stuff. I think that's been pretty clear. I think Jalen Hurts has clearly raised his level of play. You know, Tua has a lot of weapons. You know, I think where I really have, as I look at my list, I think the red chips, Femi, Mm -hmm. have really not played to a red chip level. I don't think Carr's played to a top 10 level. I don't think Stafford's played to a top 10 level. I don't think Burrow's played to a top 10 level. Dak hasn't played, right? Mm-hmm. He hasn't played. And Kirk Cousins hasn't played to a top 10 level at all. I think Kirk Cousins hasn't played well at all. His yards per attempt is way down. He hasn't really made a lot of great plays. I mean, so to me, I think my red chips right now are not very good and they're not playing. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're seeing a lot of bad quarterbacking play in the NFL right now. Which red chip do you have the most faith in to bounce back and play to their standards 
uh, in these final 13 games? Well, I, I think for the Raiders' sake, it's got to be Carr. I think Burrow's got to play better. I mean, but Mixon, they can't run the football. That's a real issue. Mm-hmm. So it's one-dimensional. You know, I, I do think we'll see what Dak can do. If they manage the game with the Cowboys the way they have with Cooper Rush, Dak can become better that way. I think there's no denying that. I, I think I worry about Cousins' protection when it becomes a drop-back pass game. You know, so and Stafford, to me, has been turning the ball. But he turned it over last year, too. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he he turned it, and now his line's bad. Like I, do, I, I so I would say probably Dak or or Carr as the red chip guys that could take a giant step. Now, how about the guys that didn't put in there? Like Murray, I think Murray set is is not playing well at all. I mean, Kyler Murray is not even close to being in the red chip category, right? Like I think Baker. I mean, Marcus Mariota's played better than than Murray. You know, I think. Jacoby Brissett, who I wasn't high on, I think Jacoby mm-hmm. Brissett has played really well. I said this, I did Pat McAfee yesterday, Femi. You know one of the things, the most important things in football today are now for what? quarterbacks? What is it? Can you sneak the ball? Can you execute the quarterback sneak? And, and Jacoby Brissett's a big man. He can do it. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady can do it. You know, Lamar could do it if they would put him under center. Ryan Tannehill can do it, right? Like, I think that, that's, a, that's a trait that no one talks about how important it is. You know, I know Mahomes got hurt quarterbacking sneak one time. Josh Allen, you get a third and one. Like, why would you ever put him in shotgun? Just let that big bastard sneak it, right? <laughs> right? I mean, Makes think about it. I mean, I, it's, it's an important quality that we don't talk because most of these games in the NFL are, are decided when you go through the game books are third and two, third and one. Who converted those? They're so they're, 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 they're small. Oh, we'll get that. No, we won't. Then we go for it on fourth down. We don't get the game changes. Russell Wilson won't sneak it. You know? So they're trying to get Kyler Murray to sneak it. Jimmy Garoppolo snuck it a couple times last week. I think it's a, it's an untold value that you got to have. Tom Brady being the best QB sneaker of no all doubt. time. It's damn near automatic whenever he does it. You mentioned Hertz and Tua as guys that are playing better. Which one's been a little bit more surprising to you? Hurts. I think, well, Tua's throwing the ball to guys wide open. I'm still not there on Tua. I, I'm just not. I mean, it's a guy, party I mean, on South Al- Beach, Michael. Come on. <laughs> I mean, it's Alabama. He's got guys wide open. I get it. You know, come from behind wins. I get it. Yada, yada, yada. But I, I mean, Hurts to me has been running Oklahoma's offense now for almost since the midseason, since they were two and five last year. And he's going to carry the ball over 200 times this season. And I'm not sure he has to be an elite dropback passer yet. I don't. I'm not sure he has to be. I don't think he is yet. I think the additions of A.J. Brown to the team, the yards after the cast with Dallas. I mean, they must run three tight end screens a game. Yeah. I mean, they're really becoming a good screen team. Which, what happens when you're a good screen team? You get a lot of easy completions. You know? It's an easy completion for the quarterback. So... To me, I think they've done a really good job in Philadelphia of building this thing around them with better players. His line's good. I'm not sure if he was to leave the scheme, he would be as effective, but his ability to run with the football, to really become a, the sixth weapon on the offensive side, has, has elevated and has made me overlook some of the deficiencies that he does have. And credit good coaching for that as well. Nick Sirianni and that staff have tailored the offense around what Jalen Hurts does well, and they're seeing some uh, pretty good rewards from it starting off the year 4-0. and So those are the good quarterbacks, Michael. Who are the bottom five QBs through four games this season? Oh, boy. 
Man, there's a lot of bad ones. I mean, look, uh, the, uh, you can't. I mean, Justin Fields is not playing good. I don't care. Oh, you know, you're killing me. I mean, <laughs> you, you you could stay with them all you want. That's, you know, that's my I guy. mean, I mean, Justin's not played well. I thought yeah. Mac Jones turned the ball over too much. I think Carson Wentz has been really bad. I think Carson Wentz has, you know, his eye levels way down. They throw the ball way too much. He, they can't manage him. You know, he makes bad decisions. He's got really bad instincts. Baker Mayfield. Can't even comp- can't complete. It's sixteen completions a game. I mean, think about that, fam. Sixteen completions a game is all he's averaging. I mean, you know, you're talking about the guy who was the you know first pick overall in the draft. You know, and, and he's got to be able to play. He's got to play better. You know, he's got to be able to play better in the, in that category. You know, Murray has the most. <laughs> Murray's a dynamic player in the sense of when they get behind. You know, that's really when the game's best for him. Because he's one of the, he has the most incompletions. He's thirty first in completions. He's first in completions. Think about that. <laughs> he's throwing it a lot. <laughs> well, because he's kind of he he loves to play loose play football, you know. And so I think that's the case. You know, I, I think Daniel Jones. They've done a great job of managing Mitchell Trubisky. All those guys are in the bottom five. The, uh, Davis Mills. Davis Mills. I think is better is a better player than the record. I think there's a lot of disappointment in what they do. They can't execute down the stretch when they need to. The other guy's playing good. I, I, I would. I think Jared Goff's playing good. He still turns the ball over too much, but I think he's playing good. So I just want to get this clear. Are, are you putting Kyler Murray in this group? No, but I think he's. Okay. I think to me, I mean, look at his numbers. He averages five point nine yards per attempt. Yeah, those are down. I mean, think about. I mean, think about that. I mean, let, how about this net yards passing per play? Daniel Jones averages 4.6. Justin Fields at 4.7. Carson Wentz at 4.9. Mitchell Trubisky at 4.9. Joe Flacco at 5.1. Baker Mayfield at 5.2. And Kyler Murray at 5.3. You, what, what that tells you right there, you can't win. And, and Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow are just as bad. Why, why is that so important? Okay, what, what does that number really mean? That number means they're taking checkdowns. They're not getting the ball down the field. And if you can't push the ball down the field, you're not a good player. Do you expect Murray to get better once Hopkins returns from suspension? I don't know. I don't like their team. I really don't. I, I don't like their team at all. I, I think they're not good on defense. I think they were fortunate last week when they played a quarterback that couldn't complete a pass. And they got fortunate against the Raiders. You know, my family's 0 for 2 against the Cardinals, and I'm still not sure they're any good, you know? <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, I may be the wrong guy to ask. Maybe I'm a little bit jaded here, but I, I don't know. I just don't think they're complete a lot of pa- – I, I just don't think they're good enough on defense, you know, and, and they struggle at home. I, I, I'm not sold on their team. I don't know if it's just – I don't think it's one player to turn this thing around. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see how it unfolds for the Cardinals. They host the Philadelphia Eagles this Sunday. We'll get into that game and more with Sunday's slate here on the GM Shuffle. All right, Michael, let's get to Sunday's slate here in week Mm. number five. And we'll start like we did last week overseas across the pond in London, Tottenham, to be specific. Giants taking on the Packers. The first time, Michael, we've seen two teams above 500 overseas. And this has been going on for about 15 years. It's NFL International Series. So that's kind of crazy that that's actually true. But that is the case this Sunday. What do you make of this game here? Quarterback Daniel Jones of the Giants dealing with the ankle injury. He was moving around, practicing a little bit on Wednesday, but I would imagine he's a little compromised and mobility being a big part of his game this upcoming Sunday against a solid Packers defense. 
Well, the Packers' defense has given up a lot of running yards. I mean, and Barkley, to me, has been uh, – I mean, I think Barkley is, could be the comeback player of the year. I mean, he's been sensational. He really has. He's been unbelievable, uh, you know, and he's been their offense. As I mentioned before, Daniel Jones can't throw the ball down the field. I mean, the Giants have done a wonderful job of managing the game. They really have. They, they've kept themselves in every single game into the fourth quarter. They haven't given up explosive plays, nor have they made it. It's all been a field goal game. Now, can the Packers build off that fourth quarter in overtime that they won against the Patriots? That's going to be the key. I think Rodgers has slowly got to develop more confidence, but they got to stop the run in this game. They couldn't stop the run against Chicago. They couldn't stop the run yeah. against New England. You know, at what point do they play better defensively? I think that's the question in Green Bay. I know Big Daddy's got a lot of questions about that. I don't think it <laughs> matters to Big Daddy's whether they're having fish and chips over there. Big Daddy's biggest concern this week, you know, want to know what it is? What is it? Is LaFleur going to get the crowd in London up for the game? <laughs> <laughs> remember those people remember those you remember those old clips in Hollywood where the cheerleaders had the long horn and they had the varsity letter on mm -hmm. their chest you know the guys yeah. they, they were men too right yep. that, Big Daddy wants to dress LaFleur up like that that's what he wants to dress LaFleur <laughs> he thinks LaFleur should wear that outfit for the game and then have the horn when he needs the team uh, are you going to be able to do the Lombardi line on Sunday because I feel like Big Daddy's going to be texting you all throughout the game and the, sh the game's going to be going on during your guys' show Oh, I, you know, that'd be great. I could read the text on the line. I mean, you think oh, Big Daddy, you know, he doesn't have direct TV. He'll come over. So when he comes over to the house, it's always great to watch the game with him. But, he'll, but now he'll have this game at 930. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he'll be just absolutely. But I promise you, the moment LaFleur cheers, he's going to go berserk. <laughs> I can't wait to see it <laughs> come Sunday. I can't wait to see it. Uh, both of these teams are traveling to London today. Is that how yeah. you would go about that? Because uh, oh, yeah. we saw the Saints do it. Uh, they went early last week, I believe, on Tuesday. The Vikings went on Thursday. Both these teams are doing Thursday. How would you manage that as a general manager? Well, the reason the games are starting at 930, so people understand this, is because Heathrow Airport closes. And when that closes, the, when the games were being played at the same time as all these other games, the teams couldn't get out. They had to wait till the next morning to leave. And so now they play them at 9.30 over there, which I think is 3.30 there. The game's over, and they can get out of Heathrow. They can get their plane and get home. And then they pick up time crossing the pond. So, uh, you know, I think to me, coming back has made this more feasible. But going over, I think if you go over Thursday, if you kind of feel like maybe you're a little sluggish. I don't know. I yeah. would probably go over Tuesday. Have get, take the players on our day off, kind of get acclimated to it over there, get used to it, and then go from there. But some teams don't like to break up their routine, you know, and, and just treat it. The time zone difference is the hardest part. That's a great point about Heathrow Airport. I didn't know that, and that's part of the kind of the intricacies here as well. We get some of these early games, another 14-hour day on Sunday, but uh, if that's the biggest problem we have in the world, I'll take it. Chargers-Browns in the early window in Cleveland. Right now, this game is going to be a competitive one, according to the betting market. Browns, two-and-a-half-point underdogs, pending where you shop. Miles Garrett, though, more importantly, returned to practice on Wednesday. Missed last game due to the car accident that he was involved with last week there. So with Garrett back, Browns getting a little bit more reinforcements on that defensive line. How do you think this matchup shakes out between the Bolts and the Browns? I'm actually kind of surprised that, uh, that Cleveland's the dog here. I really am a home dog. I'm really surprised by that. I, I felt like I felt like, you know, this would be a pick 'em game, maybe Cleveland by a point. I think it's gonna move that way. You could see the lines already moving, uh, moving in that direction. So uh, you know, for me, I, I think to me, the problem that I watch when I watch the uh 
when I watch the Chargers, can they stop a run game? I mean, can they mm-hmm. stop a run game? Are they going to be able to handle it? You know, are they going to be able to get off the field and, and st- get control of the game? And I think Brissett, frankly, has played better than his numbers. I think he was good in that game against Atlanta. At the end of the game, it didn't come through. But to me, I thought he played pretty well. And I, and I think they have a chance to... I think that the, I think they have a chance to really to to win the game. I, I like them in this mm-hmm. game. I have them being a one point one three favorite. I, I to get points in the Browns at home. I think that's a pretty good play. It feels like a bad matchup for the Chargers to me. This is one of my bets this week. I bet Cleveland plus three because that run game there. I don't think the Chargers can stop it. And also Miles Garrett being back. We saw Jamari Salier play well against Houston. This is a whole other test with Miles Garrett, arguably the best pass rusher in the NFL, coming at you. So I think the Chargers' injuries really catch up to them in this spot going on the road against Cleveland. Lions-Patriots right now in New England, three-point favorites, three-and-a-half as well over at DraftKings, depending on where you do your shopping, three at DraftKings, total 45-and-a-half. Who's going to start at quarterback for New England? Because we saw Mac Jones back on the practice field yesterday. You know, and the line has stayed at three, and and they don't even have a quarterback in in the betting system. So that's kind of odd. Look, this is a game about con- pace and control because uh, the Lions are the the best offensive team in football in terms of points per play. They they turn the ball over too much, but they make they make a lot of explosive plays. And last week they didn't have Swift and they didn't have you know Brown. So you know they were still able to move the ball up and down the field. I know Seattle's not a great defense. Now they can't stop anybody. And Dan Campbell says they're going to alter some things this week. We shall see. I mean, I think this is about Belichick. How Belichick's going to play this game like he played the Green Bay game? Going to run the ball, control it. I don't think it matters who plays quarterback. If Mac Jones is healthy, I don't know if he could be coming off a high ankle. But to me, I think that's the formula the Patriots have to win. You know, it's the old line. Look, we've done it your way. It doesn't work. We're going to do it my way now. And, and his way is the right way for the Patriots team, no matter whether you have Tom Brady or whether you have, you know, Bailey Zappi. You've got to protect the football. You've got to have some balance. You've got to control the pace of the game. And they can't play from behind in this game. They've got to make Detroit have to feel desperate but only have the ball for 23 minutes. Let's get to the game that I'll have my eyes on, Michael. Cowboys at the Rams. Dallas comes in winning three straight with Cooper Rush at quarterback here. Over at DraftKings, the Rams, though, five-and-a-half-point favorites, total of 43. And we got this question on Twitter, and I want to ask this to you. This is from Azaz. He's a loyal listener to the show here, and he wanted to ask you, Michael. He said, Michael, one of your biggest pet peeves is teams that don't know who they are and want to become who they can't be. Do the 2022 Rams fall under that category? I think a little bit because they, they 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 can't get they can't get any offensive flow going. They can't get their running game going. Uh, they can't seem to get control of the line of scrimmage, and they're trying to run plays to get guys going as opposed to running the system. I, I do think there's a little bit of that. I think they're kind of like, you know, we've gotten away from because of Stafford. We got away from the hard play action. We got to protect golf to where they're going to let Stafford go back and kind of do it, but. That's a higher risk. It worked last year, but he led the league in interceptions last year. I think there's that Mm -hmm. delicate balance that they're trying to work their way through. And, you know, look, (laughs) yards per play, they're one of the worst. They're 4.7 yards per play. Points per play, they're not very good, you know? And so, and 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 they've only rushed the ball. Their run total, rush pass total is 66 to 33. You know, they can't get control of the game because that I think that offensive line affects them. And I think defensively, I think that's been the issue too. So I, I kind of agree with that. I think that that one thing when you have a great player, you want to navigate towards his direction. 
but there's some cost effect with that, and the turnovers have been the issue. And we love it. Anytime you guys have questions, make sure to tweet at Michael, at M. Lombardi NFL. You can tweet at me, at Femi Abebefe. We love to answer those questions here on the podcast. Real quick, can the but, Rams offensive but, line... Oh, sorry. You want to say something? But I, I want to say this, though. I, I think, you know, like every week I do, I pick three games with Christopher Russo on, on Mad Dog Radio. Mm-hmm. And I have a sheet that he gives me uh, the numbers. And, and I write down, like, who I like and what I would pick. And, and typically, whoever won the week before goes first. Well... You know, like this week, he was 3-0. and He'll go first, and I have to react to it. And what I find is, and this has happened to me a lot, because I, I, even though I don't bet, I take great pride in giving out the picks, and mm-hmm. I want to win. And I keep rec- I keep score. Like right now, I'm, uh, on my total, I'm 59.29%. In the contest uh, for Russo, I'm at 732 So hey now. You know, so and like and all my Vsin picks, I'm eleven. I'm an ele- I'm eleven and six. I'm sixty eight percent. So, but my point here is this: where, where I have a hard time is what games do I give out? Like I I usually have four or five winners. Like my buddy Rick, he sends me a text every Sunday morning. Who do you like? <laughs> I like three weeks in a row. Uh, two weeks, three weeks in a row. I've given him three winners. He's nine and zero. Like he wants to take me out to dinner now. So like, but I gave him three that I didn't give out to somebody else. So my problem is, like, I got to figure out what games to get rid of. And, like, this is a game I don't want any parts of because I can't figure out if Dallas is going to lay an egg offensively against the Rams, what the Rams are going to do. My numbers say I should take Dallas and the points. I don't really feel good about that because is Dallas going to play good again on the road with Cooper Rush and their team? There's a lot going on here that I want to avoid. So for me, I've starting this week, I'm going to just – focus on the games I really like, maybe seven or eight of them, and then remove that down to five and then give those five out or four out or three. There you go. Process Does that make of, sense? Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. Process of elimination. That's how you should go about this. Real quick, last note on this game. Do you think the clock strikes midnight for Cooper Rush? Uh, no, I, I think they've done a good job of managing them. Okay. I think if they get behind in the game is when it could strike midnight, if they have to throw it all the time. But I think they've done a good job of managing them. I really do. Let's hope the Cowboys can get themselves I mean, a victory. Cooper Rush is no worse than some of these other guys. I mean, he wasn't That's the fair. first pick in the draft, but he's playing better than Baker Mayfield. He wasn't the fifth pick in the draft. He's playing better than Daniel Jones. Like, we just get caught up in where you are picked as opposed to how you're playing. That is 100% true. And some guys stay in the league long before they, they should because they end up being high draft picks. Uh, Eagles-Cardinals, Michael, this is another interesting one. We've talked about both of these teams here. Eagles, five and a half point favorites, total 49. Do you think that Philly continues their winning ways in the desert? Well, look, the Cardinals haven't scored a point in the first quarter. Right? They've played from behind in almost every game. They're only 10-3 against Carolina. right? But if they get behind Philly, I don't know how they match it. I really don't. And Philly's got, I think, 85 points scored in the second quarter alone. I mean, and this is a hard team. Philly's a hard team to play because if you don't prepare for their run game and you don't take away from outside in and you let this quarterback move around and you want to engage in a man-to-man game like, like he did against Pat Mahomes, he's going to run the ball. I mean, the guy's got going to have over 200 yards of carry. I have a hard time thinking the cards are going to keep this, keep this close. You know, it's a, one of those games where it's very – I have it as a – I think this line should be, uh, let's see, I got Arizona 6.31 one mm-hmm. should be, Philly should be favored by 6.31. The line went down to five when I saw it this morning. Some interest in Arizona. I might be part of that interest, Michael. I'm going to plug my nose and take the Cardinals. 
here in this spot, but it's not going to feel good. Finally, Sunday Night Football, Bengals at the Ravens. Right now, Baltimore three-point favorites, total 48.5. Baltimore, Michael, they've trailed for a total of 14 seconds the entire season, and they have two losses. That's that courtesy of our buddy Ben Fox here at VEASAN. Can the Ravens protect the lead against Burrow and the Bengals' attack? Well, the Bengals haven't been attacking very much. I mean, their offense has been very pedestrian-like. And But last year, they scored 82 points in two games against this team. I mean, John Harbaugh's got the greatest situation going for him as a coach. He's got a team coming off a loss, a bad loss. They gave it up, right? He's got to prove to his team he's right. He's also got a, He's also got two games last year. They got the shit kicked out of him in both games. Lost 41-17 at home last year. Yeah. Lamar was playing. So... The matchup here is really favors Cincinnati in the sense of, are they playing as good last year as they are this year? Now, early in the season, they weren't playing to that level, but they beat them 41 to 17. Later in the year, they were playing better and they beat them 41 to 21, right? So like this is that they've dominated the last two games. If you're John Harbaugh, that's the greatest thing you have going for you. It's like people say, you know, Buffalo might sleepwalk on Pittsburgh. No, you know why? Because because McDermott's going to show the game last year that they lost to Pittsburgh in the opener and were six and a half point favorites. Like, think about that. that you know, that, that, that last year game is in play. These last two year games are in play here. So I, I have this as a 4.75 game with Baltimore. Uh, you know, I think the line will end up, you know, I think the line will tick down. I mean, if the, tick, if the line goes, I would be shocked if it goes over three. I think everybody's going to play Baltimore. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to settle here at three. That's probably what it's going to be. And again, you know, I'm not going to. I read this watch. on Twitter today. I, I I read it that I think it's almost like only nine percent of the games after four weeks have has the point spread been in play. Mm-hmm. Think it, about that. Oftentimes, if the underdog covers, they win, and oftentimes, if the favorite wins, they go ahead and and cover the spread there. So it's. It's fascinating, but I think maybe we play a little bit closer to the middle as we continue to go on once we kind of get the proper rating for what these teams are after one month of play. But, Michael, that does it for us here this week. For all of Michael's thoughts on all these games, make sure to check out the Lombardi line this weekend here on VEASAN as well as make sure to read the VEASAN email where Michael will put his picks in there. You've mentioned it. You've been on fire. The folks want your picks. They know where to get them on the VEASAN Pro email here uh, over at VEASAN. But that does it for us, Michael. I'll talk to you on Monday as we recap all things week number five. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to VEASAN. Thank you to our producer, Stephen Bond, as always, on the ones and twos. Thank you to you, Michael. And I'll talk to you coming Monday. Thank you to you, Femi. And Stephen Bond. Thank you, guys.